Welcome to Two Cents FC. I'm your host, Amobi Kugo, back again with my guy, L. Each week, we'll be discussing topics from around the soccer world and giving you our unfiltered thoughts and opinions. This week, we're joined by host of the Shirtless Plantain Show and habitual line stepper, Scams, or by his real name, Tosin. Uh, this week, we'll be discussing diversity in soccer media and making 220 Two Cents Award nominations. Tosin, Scams, how you doing? I'm good, man. United doing well. Um, everyone else is not doing well, especially Liverpool. So I'm happy. I'm very, very happy. So you know, it's a great way to start uh, the new year by everyone else not being serious. So, yeah. <laughs> no, nah, respect. No, it's such a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, I think I want to give a shout out to Twitter because we wouldn't have known each other if it wasn't for Twitter. Um, I think that that's just the power of Twitter and soccer. So I just wanted to, you know, come out right from the jump and just say, you know, thank you for taking the time. Yeah. And it's crazy because like, we all have people in the same circles. Like we all have people in the same circles, but we would have never connected if it wasn't for Twitter. So that's that's the craziest thing about it. No, nah, respect. You know, so when I first like followed you, it was because of your hot takes on 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 soccer or football, however you want to call it. Um, but what we ask every guest on the show, when did you fall in love with soccer? Man. I don't even think there was a time like I remember that soccer wasn't in my life. Like I'm, I, you know, everyone knows I'm Nigerian. Um, you're about on both sides. So I was born in London. And um, when I was growing up in London, my dad, like he almost went pro with Tottenham. So he's been playing, like he would go Sunday league with his, with his friends. So as early as I can remember, like, I mean, I was two, three years old, like going with my dad to Hackney every, every Saturday, go play ball with my dad. So I remember my first football experience was 1994, England versus Nigeria. Um, it was, a, it was Nigeria wore these kits they only wore once, and that was the game. It was, it was England-Nigeria friendly in 1994, and that was my first ever soccer game I remember. Like, literally, I'm four years old, I remember this. Like, <laughs> it was never a time the soccer was in my life. Like, some of my earliest memories, like, my dad was supposed to take me to 98 World Cup. Literally, the day before, he was like, I'm not going. And that's when that's when um, Alyssa scored the, the shot that everybody remembers. Yeah, my Spain, right? Yeah, it was okay. my dad was at that game and I was so mad. Like, I'm eight years old, like seething. I'm like, and he was like, it's like, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't take you. And like, it was 96, nine, May United versus Liverpool. Um, Cantona scored a volley from outside the from outside the um, the goal. And it was 1-0. I think it was the 87th minute. And my dad was hot. Like, he's a Liverpool fan so, like since forever. So I trolled him, became a United fan. And then he kicked me out the house. My younger brother, like, you know, my brother Bengus, though. Yeah. He took me and my brother out the house, put us outside the house. And my mom's pregnant. So she comes home like, what are my boys doing here? Like, dad kicked us out the house. And she was like, what? Because yeah, United won. So my mom comes home and sees her four-year-old outside the house. My dad's upstairs asleep. So like, this is like just how soccer's always been. Like, it's always been like this competitive thing in my family where like everybody's played, everybody's watched. So, yeah. No, respect. And so, you know, when I first found you on Twitter, um, when I first connected, you always did a great job of the the diaspora, the diaspora with Nigerian um, athletes or Nigerian soccer players that you know played in the states or played in you know other leagues or Britain. Can you talk about how that kind of came about? Um, I think it's just been a thing. I think like especially being Nigerian, like and you're connected to the diaspora, you realize that there's a lot of us who want to like connect with the national team. Like I've always been a Nigerian national team fan. I mean like. I have every jersey since 94. I have, like, both the World Cup home and away jerseys. I have the 98 World Cup jersey, 96 Olympic jersey, and then, like, the 2002. So I've always been connected to the national team. So I've always seen, like, 
there's players who could be eligible for both Nigeria and England. And I've just always been like, okay, even since like Bungaho days, like I remember Gabriel Bungaho is Nathan, even Nathan Defonso from Aston Villa. Like I remember going back then and like remembering he's Nigerian. So it's like, for me, it's like if you're like, if, if your dad's Nigerian, your mom's Nigerian, you're both like, I don't care. Like I want you to play for the Nigerian national team. I remember when um, Ezzy, Iwobi, and Aina first like tried out for Nigeria in 2017. I was like, yeah, we need Ezzy. And like now I'm seeing him now. I was like, I already knew the kid was talented. So it was just like, just always just been something. And like, I don't know if everybody remembers, but the 2014 Nigeria World Cup team was horrible. I went to go to, I went to Philly to watch Nigeria versus, uh, you remember the, uh, in Chester. So yeah, like, yeah. yeah, it's out there. I watched them play. I was like, bro, Nigeria's team is bad. And as soon as we went to the work, I was like, yeah, we need to start calling diaspora kids. I was like, this is this. I was like, these guys back home, like, no offense to them, but these dudes can't play, man. I was like, we need to get players who are like playing in Champions League football every week, man. Like, yeah. we can't do this. So, so yeah. what's your favorite jersey? Because, you know, you're talking about the 94, 98 golden generation. Uh, I'll show you right now. It's not even a thing. I don't even think about the price. This one. The Ooh, okay. White one. Yeah. So this is a gift that my girlfriend got me for my birthday. So I've, this is like the holy grail. I've been looking for it forever. So that one and then the 96 Olympics. So those two, it's not even a question. It's like, not even, no discussion. Yeah, those two. So Okay, respect, respect. So what is the origin of the shirtless plantain shot? You know, a lot of people were excited when you finally, you know, broke off and decided to do your own thing. A lot of people were waiting. Uh, you finally did. Uh, you got your second collection that just came out. I know we're going we're gonna to have that in the show notes later. Um, but yeah, talk about sure. the origin. So it's actually something I never actually wanted to do. I actually got bullied into doing it. So if you got good friends, like your friends will know, your friends know who you, like my good friend, I'm sure you guys probably know him, River is Wild. Um, you guys have probably seen like their clothes. I retweet them a lot. Um, it's one of my, like, he's like my brother at this point. We're both here about, so like, you know, we're family. So he was in LA for a little bit. And um, this was the summer before the World Cup 2018. So he was coming home and he was like, yo, we're about to do a show, a YouTube show. And I was like, cool. I was like, who's going to be the face of the show? And like all three of my boys in the chat was like, you are. And I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> I, was like, I'm not, I was like, I don't, I don't sit in front of the camera. Like I'm on Twitter and that's all I do. Like maybe I'll do a podcast here and there. But like, no, 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 no. Like, 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 like you don't have a choice. We already made this decision for you. Like we already know your personality. You're going to be in front of the camera. I'm just like, I'm not doing this. So when my friend came back from L.A., um, I was like, yo, I'm sick. He's like, I was like, I know you. He's like, you're not sick. You're lying. He's like, we'll give you a week. If you don't come next week, we're not doing this. So I'm in front of camera, like the first episode, nervous as hell, like taking a shot of Crown Royal, like, yo, I hope I'm <laughs> like the first two episodes, I was nervous. And then the next thing you know, I was like, yo, I'm mad comfortable with this. Like, this is something I've, I've always wanted to do. And they're like, we told you this is, this is what you're going to do. So it went from just being like something we did with the World Cup. And then we ended up just doing a couple episodes on YouTube about the, you know, about this bleed that came out that season. And like we did, we tried to do more. And then this year we we're like, okay, how do we differentiate ourselves? So we decided to do podcasts, um, which we just had a whole bunch of guests and like just really spoke to people on like a level of just like how we're talking now. Like I feel like a lot of people don't understand that when we speak about soccer, like there is a community. Like, yes, you watch the games and all that, but there's so many storylines and so many like narratives you don't know, which is why we're like, let's just start the podcast. So, now we've seen like people really like us and what we do. We're like, okay, 2021, we got a whole bunch of stuff that we've planned already and just like really want to delve into it. So yeah, I mean, the name was actually, the funniest thing about the name was that my boy, uh, I'm not going to say his name, but you probably seen me too. <laughs> he was like drunk or high, like two or three in the morning, right? It's like, yo, I feel like frying plantains, but my shirt is off. And I'm like, are you frying plantains shirtless? It's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we were coming up with a name. We we're just like, yo, we all love plantains. You were frying plantain shirtless at four, like three in the morning. Let's just call the shirtless plantation on the stuff. And this is like one of those names where you just like, you're like, how are y'all selling shirts, but y'all 
shirtless. Like, yeah. it didn't make any sense, but <laughs> it, it just made sense. It just made perfect sense. And it's like, it's a diaspora thing where everybody in the diaspora eats plantains, like whether you're Black American, you know, Caribbean or Nigerian or any other, you know, African country, everyone eats, everyone eats plantains. So yeah, it's kind of stuff. No, I respect. And you're wearing one of your shirts from the second line. Talk about Unserious because, you know, you've made that. Yeah, I, I feel like you got to get that trademark yeah. because I yeah. feel like you've made that word. Everyone's like, what's Unserious mean? Uh. So it's like one of those things that like growing up, you hear your uncles and aunties call, you know, like, you know, when you hear your like West Indian, like, you know, black aunties, everyone, we all remix the English words. Like there's, there's so many words that don't, that don't exist, but we make it exist. Like I've heard my uncle one day, like calling somebody on this, I was like six or seven and it just stuck. It's just like, you just hear people say, oh, this person's unserious. Like even my dad says it from time to time. I'm just like, it's always been around in the house. You know, he's always heard it. So. I started watching like more and more football and like just started like I was like, man, these people are just like serious. They're just stuck. Like it literally, like I don't know what it was, but it literally just now it just became a thing. It's just like it's something you always use every day, and then just became like now this is almost an adjective in a sense, like you know, that this is this person is being unserious, you know. So it just stuck. No, I respect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I think you're like one of the funniest people on Twitter. Like I'll be sometimes on your page, just like, what is this guy talking about? Just causing, <laughs> causing, causing drama. You know, it was the funniest thing. My little sister texted me today because she don't follow me on Twitter years ago, but she texted <laughs> me this morning and she was just like, "Yo, I need you to stop tweeting because every single day I have a friend texting me about this is your tweet." She goes, "I know, that's my brother. Like I've lived with him my whole life. Like, yo, he's literally the same person online as he is offline, and it's worse to see it like other people see it. It's like, <laughs> I, mean, if I see something, I want to comment on it. It is, it is what it is. So, yeah." And so funny, wake up every morning and choose violence, man. It's... Yeah, yo, know, the funniest thing is I never actually want to use it. I never actually want to use Twitter. Like I actually hated it. Like my cousin, um, his name is Adeshola McKinley. Like I did a podcast with him uh, recently. So shout out to my cousin. He told me in 2011, like, yo, you should make a Twitter. You have a perfect personality for it. I'm like, why do I want to make a Twitter? Like, who wants to read people's thoughts? Like, that's so weird. Like, that's weird. So I made it in 2011. I parked the name. I was just like, I'm not going to touch this. So 2013, 2014, I started tweeting more and more. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then, like, just it stuck. And I was like, damn, like, I really love Twitter now. So, yeah. Okay, perfect. Yo, so give us some context. Because So you were born in England. When did you move up to the States? Literally August 25th. When did Leah die? I think the day after Leah died. Literally, the day after Leah died, I moved to America. So 2001. So literally, like, Leah died, I'm in America. Like, that's that's how it happened. And then two weeks later, 9-11 happened. That's what I was going to say. Wow. It's a hell time. of a milestone. Like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Leah a marker, died. you know what I'm saying? So here's the crazy thing. Leah died, I moved to America. Two weeks later, 9-11 happened. And then a couple months later, in February, the DC sniper happened. So in my mind... <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to be in this country. Like, nah, like, America's cursed, man. Like, I was like, I just don't want to be here at all. Like, you go from, like, playing football every day, like, having, like, I got into, I actually got into Charlton's Academy at the time. I was actually supposed to go play for Charlton in, um, in London as part of the academy. And I moved to America. So it's like, you have all these tragedies happening, right? And then you're already comfortable in England. I'm like, I don't want to move to this country. So that's when I moved to America. It was 2001. So, yeah. And talk about that because you've seen what it's like to grow up in England from the soccer standpoint to the states. I know we was in the clubhouse room a couple weeks back, or maybe earlier than that, talking about you know some of the things when it comes to the development of youth sports. Yeah. Um, and I definitely got to ask you a follow up question 
that yeah. I didn't get a chance to. Yeah. But talk about the differences between growing up in England and then growing up in the States so, from a soccer's perspective. I think the biggest thing is, like, we play every day in England. Like, I remember literally my first 11 years living in London, like, we would play in the morning. We'd play before school, during school. We'd get in trouble playing in the hallways of school, like, nutmegging each other, little stuff like that. Then we go outside for playtime. We'd play after school. we played during then. Play after school. Then we go home and play. And it's like you're doing it seven days a week. So, like, you're unconsciously developing skills that, like, a coach can't tell you. You know, you like, a coach can't tell you how to do a step over. Like, that's something you just learn. You're in, you're in the park with your boys. You're doing that. Exactly. So, eventually, you you know, at some point, you realize, you know, it's, it's ego, too. As, as human beings, we're all egotistical. It has to take a serious egotistical thing for you to be like, yo, I'm good enough to go play for an academy. Because who the hell thinks, like, who was telling somebody, like, at seven, eight years old, like, yo, you're good enough to go try for an academy? That's some <laughs> ego stuff in your mind. You have to tell your yeah. parents, like, no. Let me go try for this. So we tried out for a lot of academies and like it was a lot of racism, which is part of why we moved to America. Like my dad would tell you, like we tried for this academy called Birchmere and me and my brother, like literally were better than everybody. But the reason why we didn't play, obviously, because, you know, England's very racist and they were just like, no, nah, I'm going to put these kids on here. So we didn't play for them. And then, um, you know, the di biggest difference I say is like when I came to America, I wasn't playing every day. So you go from playing like seven days a week to come to a country where you're playing maybe once a month, for me at least. And my brother found a team that worked for him, so he was playing every day. I'm going from playing every day for like 11 years of my life, every single day, to like playing maybe once a month. You lose your skills, you lose these things. Like yeah. sometimes you lose the passport. And then like when you come to play in America, like the coaches are like failed, you know, high school guys <laughs> who like, you know, they have authority and like, they're like, oh, run all day. It's like, no, like football is literally, you play with your feet, you're not running yeah. all day. so. That was the biggest difference. And I fell out of love with football for a very long time. Like, that was one thing, like, I've never mentioned anybody, but it was, like, for five, six years. I hated football. Like, I didn't watch Man United for a long time. Like, I just hated football so much. And I don't know when I fell back in love with football, but I was like, damn, I can't believe I was missing this. Like, I hated it. Like, I went to go watch NBA, and I felt like I just hated watching soccer. Like, it literally became, like, a bane of my existence because of how bad the coaches was here. So that's kind of, like, my experience. And then, like, I started playing more with, like, a team – I'm sure you probably heard of them on Baltimore Bays. Like I, I yeah. trained, trained with them. So when academy system became a thing in 2007, 2008, I actually trained with Baltimore Bays um, before they won. So this is like the team like Chris Agorsa and like I'm sure you heard of Chris. Yeah, yeah. we played so, on the same team together for a little bit. Yeah, so in Philly. in Philly, right? Yes, sir. So here's the thing: is like I'm telling people this all the time. I'm seeing like the you know Tyler Adams, like bro, like there's been talented players in this country. Like there's a lot of talented players and like. I just think that America's finally getting it right where like you're seeing like the Martin McKenzie's finally getting a big move like at 1918. They play a little bit in MLS and they go at the right age to like to, to, to Europe. I feel like America's always had talent. I feel like the world is finally starting to catch up and realize like, oh, they're here now. Like I remember when I was hearing Jamie Carragher say like, oh, I didn't know America had like good players. It's like, Jamie, they've always had talent. It's just like you just never have seen it. Like, exactly. Chris Agorso was on travel Man United when Man United won the Champions League in 08 for like three months. Like that goes to show you that there's been talent here. It's just like, how do you develop it? And that's the, that's the biggest issue I think America has, like developing the talent and like coming to find the right places to find the talent because it's a huge country. Like this England is small. Like America is huge. Like you have hotbeds like North Carolina, your Maryland's, your DC, you know, your Kansas, your Chicago's, your California's. You do have your hotspots of where the talent is. It's like, America's too big. Like, you can't find, like, talent, like, in the most rent. You know, it's, it's just too big. So I think that's the biggest thing. I know that was a long-winded answer. But, yeah, it's, like, the biggest difference is just development and just trying to play every single day. No, I think that's a great answer. And I, I'm glad you gave that insight because a lot of people don't know that you can lose favor or lose your passion for soccer because of the lack of 
uh, I don't want to call people out, but the lack of valuable experience from the upper management. And it's, it's, it's really sad to see, but hopefully as more exposure comes to the game, we're going to get more resources and more opportunities. And then I love what you said about the talent has always been there. Uh, It's always been there. It's, I hate when people talk about they're just developing better. It's not nah, it's like, it's just more exposure. That's, that's yeah, what it is. That, that, that's all it is. Like, I mean, I remember I played with a team with like, I'm going to say some names that some people might not know, but like, you might know them. Like, I played with a team with a kid named Chris Lebo who played at North Carolina, yeah. played with Christian Barrero, who I went to high school with. I played with um, Andrew Bulls who played at UMBC, Mike Rose who played at North, at, uh, Notre Dame's um, whole bunch of guys who played D1 football. No one on that team is pro. And that's the thing that bothers me about America is like, you see kids, right? My brother's team won four national championships as youth how does one person on that team with well, two people joe john my brother is still pro like you have 18 boys who won you know youth championships at that younger level that shows that like something's amiss that, like you can't win four or five championships at the youth level and none of them are pro like something is wrong with you not the team and exactly. i'm seeing i'm seeing it like i'm seeing it like it, it frustrates me because i'm just like i remember joe john when he was 12 you know and like to see him get his debut with Klopp, i'm like I'm proud of him. Like that's my little brother. I'm like, I'm so happy for you. Like you deserve to win. And like we had, I remember there's a kid named Lester Dewey on my brother's team. Oh, he yeah. Was, you remember? Yeah, Lester was yeah. at Marseille. It's like, oh, he's 11 years old at Marseille. Like he's playing with Koulibaly. Like he remembers Koulibaly growing up. Like so, like this isn't nothing new. Whenever I see these players, I'm like, this is just fine. You guys experience and that American people are like talented. You guys have finally seen it. Like there's always been talent here. And I think the thing that bothers people is that like a lot of talent are kids that were either born overseas or like you know diaspora kids like there's a lot of those kids like Liberian, Ghanaian like from other countries like I guess it bothers them there's a lot of Hispanic talent too I remember there's a kid my brother played with Jonathan Guzman like he to me I remember he him and Juan Aguadelo they were 15 years old it was Red Bulls versus Baltimore Bay these two literally were like having like one we one v one and like 11 11 like I'm like watching these two 15 year old kids I'm like what are y'all doing like how are you guys this good at like such a young age the problem is Juan got the chance to go pro and like, you know, he's still like, you know, he's bouncing yeah. the less. I remember 15, 14, Chelsea wanted Goose to go to the academy in London. Like, that's how good this kid was. Like, he was he's El Salvadorian kid, like so good. And like all of a sudden now he's like, you know, he's not doing things with football. Like we text each other from time to time. I was like, man, I can't believe that like your talent just got killed like that. Like, this is the problem with America. Like, you guys have such a generation that just kind of died. I'm happy for this newer generation though. Like yeah. you're seeing like your Weston McKenney's at Juventus, which to me is insane. Like Weston is playing with Cristiano every day. Pierlo's his coach. It's like I'm happy for these kids because they deserve it. Like a lot of these younger black kids, they need to win. And like I'm, I'm seeing like something like Owen Otisawi for Wolves. I'm just like, yo, y'all don't understand how talented this generation of American kids are. Like you're having a kid like Owen Otisawi who's like playing against Burnley and like you know Arsenal. Like you're having these talented kids. Like this is your midfield now. Yeah, Eunice Musa and Valencia. Like you guys, American, need to understand. Like. You got something special. Like this exactly. is exactly. Like, it's like please just don't waste it. Yeah, don't waste it. Like like don't kill these kids' spirits and like talents because you guys have something really, really. And you've seen it. Like you played in the USU national team. Like you've seen like the amount of talent. Like I remember my brother was telling me he saw Neymar Coutinho when they were seventeen and how levels Coutinho was to Neymar at that time. And this goes to show you, like if you develop your players right, the, the sky's the limit. You know. So yeah. And to speak to that, because I was I was the '91 age group when the '92s, uh, when Joe Jao and you know Stefan Jerome, and they smacked that Brazil U17 team with Neymar and Coutinho. Mm-hmm. And if you look at that uh, U17 Brazil team now, and like where some of those players are compared to the '92s from the U.S. team, 
it's like you said, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta cherish your talent that you have and, you know, go and figure out those bumps in the road. But you talked about something else, Maryland, where you, where do you rank them? Where do you rank Maryland when it comes to youth development um, from the States? Yeah. In America. Top three. It's not top, even top three, huh? Top three. Like I'm going to go on a limb and say Maryland might be the best. And I just feel like, I just see from what I've seen with Maryland, like it's, it's stupid. Like the talent Maryland has had, like when I was growing, like Rodney Wallace played with my cousin, like yeah. Rodney, you know, Rodney, Rodney yeah. played with my cousin. Um, I like, I'm looking at that old Casimir basically, Maguchi and Ye will used to play with my coach. So like, these are like, like the talent alone in Maryland is, is dumb. And it's like, the thing is it's split too. So it's like a lot of people try to like, when I say the DMV, people think that's Baltimore. It's like, no, 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 no. Baltimore is Baltimore. Like where are yeah. our own? I'm, I'm from Baltimore. So where, okay. where are our own? But then there's a DMV, which is like the DC areas. So like, that's like the PG County, Howard, like PG, um, Montgomery County, like Northern Virginia. So like that area alone, that's like the where the Freddie Adus are from, the Joe Giles, the Lesters. And then you bring the Baltimore, which is like where we're from, my brother and like everybody else. Like Maryland is a crazy talented hotbed. And it's just like, it's so competitive here. Like I, like I remember my brother was getting recruited for high school. I mean, the statute of limitations is gone now. They can't yeah. do anything. But my brother's in fifth, sixth, seventh grade getting recruited by high school. How are you recruiting a kid that's in fifth, sixth grade? Like you're recruiting, you recruiting kids who are like twelve yeah. to come to high school. Like that, that's that's how crazy it was out here. Like that, you literally like it was like it was a competitive thing where like, you know, you try to get the best players at a young age. Like you're giving kids like you know scholarships and it's like they, they call it scholarships, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's crazy. Like the, the 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 amount of talent like in Maryland alone. Like I'm just like, yo, this is insane. But then like. There's also Jersey. There's also yeah. Pennsylvania. That's what I'm saying. You got Jersey. You got and Dallas. You got North, LA. North Carolina is another place where, like, I feel slept on. Like North Carolina, South Carolina, like spread North Carolina, that triangle area. They in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Like, there's some stupid talent out there. Like, it makes no sense. But for me, Maryland's top three. Like, I, I'm just maybe I might be biased because that's where I'm from. But like, uh-huh. I've just seen so much talented players out here, man. It, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. Like, you know, you know, people like people and all those yeah. other guys. Like, I remember like. Uh, Joe Jags would play for this team called the Roadrunners, which was with Lester. Um, and this kid named Deshaun Ragland. Like, I remember when I was watching those kids play, I was like, these dudes literally, there's like they took kids from like the city, like Baltimore City and like the city of DC, and just like, yo, we're just gonna make a super black team and just like run, <laughs> run the work. Yeah, yeah, literally what it was. So, and it, it sucks. And that's where, um, what's his called? It's from too. Um, he used to play for NYCFC and he retired. And he's a photographer now. And uh, like, Ethan. Yeah, Ethan. Yeah, Ethan's from out here too. So yeah, yeah. So like, there's a lot of talent out here. So yeah, there's a lot of talent. Yeah, you guys. I'm not. I'm not. I, I'm willing to argue that. Yeah. I'm willing to argue that. That's that's, yeah. that's fair. No, but yeah. yeah. To be fair, you guys had a lot of talent back in the day. You know, obviously Joe Jow, Lester, Shaq. Oh, um, oh big uh, Shaq. I remember Shaq. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's so much talent everywhere, and it's just sad to see like um, people lose you know, their, their love for it, or people kind of get, you know, put to the wayside. So with this new generation, definitely excited to see, you know, the, the explosion that they're going to have on the global level. Yeah. So um, let, let, let's change subjects a little bit. Let's talk about you. You come from the agency world. What kind of work do you do in the space and how have your skills? Um, I feel like you're kind of humble. You're kind of shy. How have yeah. your skills translated to all the stuff that you're doing in, in your work now? So 
I'll give you guys a long-winded story. Um, so I actually wanted to be a lawyer originally. So when I was 14, 15, my, really? biggest, idol, yeah, my biggest idol was Johnny Cochran. So like, I wanted to be Johnny Cochran. Like, <laughs> I'm, in, I'm like, I'm like, you're really in high school. Like, yo, cause I went to, I went to private high school. Like again, like Portland, Maryland thing. Like it's a private school thing out here. Like yeah. one loves private school. So we went to private schools and like they needed more black people that let me get in. So whatever, I'm, I'm going to college preparatory high school. So they're giving me things that like I'm learning about myself. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to become a lawyer. So like first I was just like, I bet I'm going to be a lawyer. I took a law class my freshman year, man. I picked up my bag so fast and walked out. I was like, yo, I don't know what I'm going to do in my life, but it's not law. So I was like, <laughs> I'm a sociologist. Didn't want to do that. So I transferred to community college. I'm like, I still know what I do in my life. Like, and this is the problem. You try to make a kid at 18, 19, figure out what he wants to do. Nobody wants to know. Nobody knows anything at that, at that young age. So like yeah. I'm, Transfer college is 2011 to go to school called Towson. Um, and that's when I met this guy named Sam. And again, like I always say this all the time to everybody. My biggest thing in life, my biggest lesson is everybody's putting your life for a reason. Like you meet people at certain 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 points in your life for a reason. So my friend Sam, and this is going to be a full circle story because this is how we also know each other as well. So my friend Sam, um, he actually used to work for Bernie Sanders. I'm um, doing Bernie Sanders campaign. This is a few years ago. But Sam was heavy into like, the media stuff. So he's another Nigerian guy. And he saw me one day chilling. He's like, yo, like you look like you're into creative stuff. And I was just like, how does somebody look like they're into creative stuff? He's like, I, he's like, I just can tell. So he introduced me to the whole media world, like communication, uh -huh. advertising. And I was like, oh my God, you can get paid the right words. I was like, oh, like, I didn't know that was even a, a thing. So I started doing a communications track. And then um, that's when How to Make in America came in, came out. Oh, yeah. I was this is my you know the cutty area like the blog area day so in my mind already moving to New York like I'm like I don't know how I'm gonna do it move to New York, and then I graduated college and like was doing internships in Baltimore and like I was staying with my ex at the time so I would go back and forth to New York so my ex would, my ex would go to school in Columbia and like I would stay with her on weekends sometimes stay with a couple of weeks, and Adidas um opened up an internship so my boy I'm sure you guys know Josh Kissy like Josh is the, yep. Josh is super creative so Josh actually got me an internship with Adidas. So I'm working Adidas, like doing fashion PR. I'm like, yes, I'm finally living in New York. I'm about to do this fashion world. I got into the fashion industry and I was like, yeah, this is not it. I was like, it looks glitz and gans, but this is not it. And I was like, all right, how am I gonna figure this out? So I switched over to the agency side. So I'm doing PR with Ogilvy and um, Ogilvy is one of the biggest PR agencies in the world, like top five. And like, I'm working in New York office, which is called the Chocolate Factory. So that's 27 floors. And I'm just sitting there, it's like every day, like, man, this, this is an amazing job. But it doesn't pay the bills when you're like, you know, when you're doing a low entry job. So I moved to another agency um, and that's when I was like, yo, this is not it. Like, this is not it at all. Like, and I kept trying to figure out, like, what exactly do I want to do with my life? So I left New York again. I left New York and I came back to Maryland to figure it out. I couldn't find a job. So I started selling cars. I don't ask me how I was selling. I was selling brand new Audis. Like, I don't know how any of this did anything. So. In the meantime, I was hustling and like doing um, freelance stuff for people. And I've already had this advertising background of just like working with people and like, you know, telling stories and things like that. So I was like, I can't sell cars anymore. I'm not good at this. So then I decided to go work at Burberry. And I was like, what am I doing in my life? Like, why am I in retail again? Like, I already did this. How I pay for college is doing retail. So I was working, like I mentioned, I worked for Complex a little bit. So I did that. And then that's when I got this job in New York as a copywriter. And I was like, finally, I'm a copywriter. So I did this job. And it still wasn't satisfying for me. I was like, yo, this isn't it. I was like, somehow this isn't it. And I got in trouble, actually. This is when I knew, like I tweeted this, this is when I knew I had to quit, like advertising in general, because A, there's not enough black people in the industry like that's like me, that's helped people out, like do 
in New York, a lot of the black creatives know each other because of, you know, everyone's jobs are like, everyone gets the same job in a sense. Like they kind of rotate the black people in the room every <laughs> single time. Like it's always like, oh, it's like a rotating figure with black people. So my roommate was just like, yo, bro, like I don't know what you what we're gonna do. Like, you know, like the pandemic hit. So like I, I'm out of a job and I'm just like, this is early this year. And like, you know, this I've you know cut the story short a little bit, but I'm here like in a crossroads of my life. I'm like, I don't know what I'm gonna do with my life. Like an interview with Bayern Munich and like they didn't they didn't hire me to like do some of the, like some social stuff with Bayern Munich. So I'm like, I right. I was like, somehow, some way, I don't know what I'm gonna do with my life. I was like, if this works out, it works out. So this is when, again, like I said, everything happens in your life for a reason. Somehow during the pandemic, Turner got rid of the rights for Champions League and CBS took it early. So CBS is now trying to figure out their like structure and like how they want to sound and things like that. A job opportunity opens up. So everything I've done like the last 10 years of my professional career kind of came to a hole because it's just like, I've learned so many different ways of like learning how to speak on the internet, how to like speak to people, just how to like, even, even my soccer, like even the way I talk about soccer, like I learned that like just through Twitter and things like that. And I got this job at CVS where like, I'm now like, you know, one of the most like, you know, important people for their, for their social image. So like I'm helping CVS develop a social image and like, it hits me every day. I'm just like, I'm working in football. Like it doesn't like it, 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 it just hits me. I'm just like, this is what I do for profession. Like I love this sport so much, but I this is this is literally what this is my nine to five. So it's like the the reason why I told this homegrown story is like a lot of people see like the you know the job and like they see everybody working and doing these sexy things. It's like no no no, it doesn't come overnight. Like there's gonna be a lot of times where like yo I don't even want to do this anymore. Like you sometimes are just like why am I even doing this? You got to do a lot of work sometimes for free, and like it's not the easiest thing. It's not the like the sexiest thing to wait, but you know it happened and like your opportunities will happen if you put in the work and that's the biggest thing i've always said is like i was doing a shirtless plantain show out of love and for free and like you know because it was fun like this is what we want to do and the main reason why they took me seriously because they showed they saw what we were doing like oh this person actually knows this stuff so that's kind of like all my skills are really just kind of built up whether it was just like you know advertising was copywriting whether it was like marketing where there's no one had to like you know say this word or say that word so everything kind of worked itself out. And like, I just feel like I'm at the perfect crossroads right now with like my career. So. Uh, no, nah, man, that's, that's, that's such a great story to uh, tell. Uh, and what mm -hmm. advice would you have for, you know, someone that's young, that's trying to get into like working in the sports space. I, I took a lot of lessons from what you just said right now. Yeah. Um, but I think it's good because a lot of people want to get to where you are or yeah. learn how to get there. So like what, like one, what's one piece of advice? Don't, don't be scared of failing. Like you're going to, you're going to mess up so many times, but don't be scared of that because in those failures you're going to learn something about yourself that's going to prepare you for like the next opportunity so do not be scared to, like i can't lie to you y'all been fired from every single job in new york that i've like worked in the advertising industry like like there except for ogilvy like i got fired at msl group because they just it wasn't a good fit i got fired from there i got fired from ketchum wasn't a good fit like i remember like they called me in the office and i was like yeah I'm done here. And I was like, yeah, I got fired. Three I got fired three times. I had to fail. And like, I had to learn about myself in those three opportunities. And like, I've literally, if you go on my LinkedIn right now, like I've applied to over 800 jobs in about four years. And the one job that I have that is the most perfect job, like I didn't even apply is because of, you know, connections. It was like, you learn how, you have to learn how to fail and learn how to speak to people and like, be very friendly. Like, how do you become a personable person? Like, how do you have, like people like when you, when you become somebody that people like doors open for you, like you can't, you could be the most talented person in the world, but if you can't work within a team, it's not going to work out for you. So that's like the biggest advice I can give to people. It's like, don't fail and learn how to like work with people. 
No, that's 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 key. That's major gems right there. I think um, you know, for anyone listening, the the fact that you said, you know, when you when you when you notice something that you weren't passionate about, you you quickly moved. I know I know it's crazy times and people have to sacrifice, but sometimes your 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 happiness and your passion trumps everything. So you know, find something that you're happy about. I mean, if you're not happy, like, yo, listen, it, it was show. Like, I remember when I was selling Audis, right? And, like, I sold this brand new Audi, like, customized it out. Then, like, I stopped selling cars after that because, like, yo, I don't like doing this. Like, this is not fun. Like, I'm not the sort of person that will harass them, like, like, five times. They're like, yo, you coming in to buy a car? Like, that's not me. I'm like, if you want to buy it, listen, like, this is a $65,000 car, $95,000. You know, this is a very expensive car. You know offhand, you don't need anybody to push you to come, come in to buy yeah. it up. A brand new Audi, like you either know or you don't know. There's no selling techniques that, like, yeah, maybe some people that can work some magic, but listen, ain't nobody coming in. Nobody's coming in to like buy a ninety-five thousand dollar car off no. the like. You can't just like you know mark like that's 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 the years of like planning and investment. So that's true. You know, that's like when I realized doing all these odd jobs, like none of this is fun. Like none of this. Like once you find what you love to do, life becomes so much easier for you. And it's hard. Like and it's just, like I'm definitely coming from a place of privilege because. Like I said, like I, I like have you know very good structure help my family, like you know, help me out and things like that. So I am seeking for a place of privilege, but I'm just saying in general, like if you can find that sort of like balance between figure out what you love and like trying to find your passion, like you will never ever fail like in life. You you'll be so satisfied with yourself. No, respect. And I think another thing was that when you started Shirtless Plan 10 show, like a lot of your skills that you had acquired from all your other your jobs and experiences, like really blossomed. And now you said the CBS job came from what they've seen from what you did with the shirtless plantain show. And mm -hmm. also, you know, your ability to connect with so many different people um, and build out relationships. So I think that's another piece of people that people definitely need to take away. And with that being said, you know, so what's your, you know, as you head into 2021, I know you can't give us too much, but what's your big vision for the shirtless plantain show? I mean, when I look at it, I'm just like, there's not enough black people talking about soccer. Or like, first of all, there's not enough people talking about soccer on the level that we need to see that. Like, just like, you know, whenever I look at Twitter and things like that, there's so many people who message me like, yo, I didn't even like soccer until I stopped following you. And it's just like, okay, if we can take this to a much, like, I'm talking about like just a national level, like an ESPN, like a CBS type level of just like, yo, there's people who look like you, right? And like, I always said this, like, and, I, and I might be wrong, but I feel like once black people find something cool, the whole world thinks it's cool, period. Like that's right. just that's how I see it. So I'm like, if we can make soccer cool enough for black Americans and just black people in general, like, yo, he looks like me, they look like me, and we want to follow them, then our job is done. And that's really it. It's like, and it's just working more with like people like you guys. Like, there's so many times to like, and there's so many times to black people in America, because I'm gonna want to talk about England because we know like that's the popular sport in England, right? Like, there's so many people doing their own thing in England, like there's so many times that people, but it's just like there's so many of us in the media space in, in America, like this, this black Americans, it's like want to, that want to take the sport to the next level. It was like, how do we all do this together? And like, take this to something that like, yo, you guys have to understand we've been here. It's it's about time that like you guys start taking soccer more seriously, like, because we, we can tell you these stories, you know? So that's the main goal is to really just like, to just in a sense, take over and like, yo, we're not playing with you guys anymore. Like we're here now. Like, no, nah, respect. Are you guys going to listen to us or you, we're going to force you to listen to us. So it's like yeah. kind of that, that thing now. I love it. Like, so give me like three stories that you would love, say, uh, you know, hypothetically speaking, CBS gives you the bag or someone else, some entity, or you guys do it on your own. Maybe mm -hmm. a two cents shirtless plantain show collab. You're like, these are three stories that I want to tell 
I don't care how it's told, but these are the stories I want to tell. First one is going to Nigeria and literally going to not just Lagos, but like we want to talk about like going to like northern Nigeria, go to Igbo land, go everywhere in that country and really just tell these stories and just like, yo, this is why we play ball. And like I'm talking about some real like raw off the street type thing, because people don't understand why people play ball in Nigeria. Like I want people to understand like, and I and I want subtitles. Like I don't want to know what I want like that direct Igbo, I want the direct house, I want the direct Yoruba, like direct tip, like I want everybody's language, like literally so like I'm not blending it. Like, I want you to understand, like, this is why we play the sport. This is why we do it. Um, another story I want to tell is just, like, go back to London, too, and, like, tell the story of, like, Black immigrants in London. And then, like, the same thing for America. Just, for me, it's just telling these stories about Black men and women and, like, just really, like, why we play the sport. Because that's another thing, too, is, like, doing our show, like, I think one of the biggest things that I love to do this year was, like, having more women feature. Like, I spoke to Rocky Hekaya, and, like, I learned about, like, Dutch Black women playing football. And like, you know, there's so many talented black, you know, women that's like playing the sports. Like, how do we get, how do we tell their stories? Because like, we know the amount of talented black men. And we look at the U.S. women's national team, no offense to them, but like, there's not that many black women on the U.S. women's national team. There's maybe one or two. It's like, how do we tell these stories of like these people? So it's like, I really just want to tell people stories. So that, that's really it. Just give me the bag. Let me go to these countries and let me just film people and just talk to them. Like have interviews like we're doing now because you start to realize like, yo, there's so many talented people. Uh, another one though, I want to talk to Bello. I really want to talk to Balotelli. Like that's what mm, I like that. Like I feel like Bello is one of the most under, like I feel like he's not understood. Like he's very, very misunderstood. And like that's somebody like, he's our age, you know, 19, he's like 90s. And like we come from a generation where like he, he felt so much pain, man. Like, like, and I feel like he's very confused as to like, you know, his identity thing like that. So that's somebody I really want to talk to is Bala. I want to talk to Bala for sure. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely subscribing to when those shows go live. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely in, especially that that Nigerian one. Uh, yeah. I'm all for that one for sure. You know how like you know you're Nigerian <laughs> friends all the time. Like my dad, well, my dad hates my dad hates new soccer. Like he hates it so much. My dad, I remember watching. <laughs> Forgot what game we can have our own podcast about this. My dad came downstairs three weeks ago. Oh, I swear to God, he came downstairs, right? Watching the game. My dad literally looked at it for five minutes. He just discussed because there's no step over us, there's no flat, there's nothing. Nobody's doing shoulders. I'm like, yo, like calm down. It's like everybody's a robot. He hates he hates oh. soccer so much. Yeah, like, he hates it like in the worst way. It's like nobody's doing step over us. And like this is the guy like who when he would watch a culture in 2000s, he would of course, I would piss him off, but like he would die to see a right now. Like that, that he, so your dad had the VHS tapes of like that whole era. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. My dad, even when I played, he's like, Yeah, you guys put me to sleep, man. You guys play yeah. so boring. Play to the right, long ball, cross. Ah, oh, it's too boring. Oh yeah. my goodness. But we have the same exact parent because they say the same exact. He said the same thing to my brother team as well. I was like, Yo, you guys are so boring. Like, nobody's doing stuff. Like no one's picking anybody. Y'all. He's like, I'm going to sleep. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. You said what do I got? Yeah, because I know you got excited when we was talking about the docuseries and stuff. Oh yeah, for sure. Like um, that's definitely something we're looking to do over here at Two Cent Sports. So I mean we go we're gonna collaborate. We're we gonna find some ways to do some stuff. Um and we'll get into that diversity and soccer thing mm-hmm. in our first topic. But before we go, before we jump into that though, we want to play a quick game of true two truths and a cap okay. with you. So Three, t- three facts about yourself. Two of them are true. Mm-hmm. One is a lie. Me and what we got to guess. So, take. All right. Um, let me give you three facts. I played basketball growing up. Um, I am the oldest of three. 
and I am a. Uh, you guys probably guess it already. I can't. Even, I, I actually like. I'm right now on the spot trying, trying to figure it out. Um, let me see. I played the trumpet growing up. Oh dang! Uh, grew up in Maryland, say... so that basketball one gotta be. Oh, that's tough. But Nigerian trumpet I, instrument. I, I, I listen to your podcast though, so I know. You probably, say you, you probably played basketball, but you was trash. So it's there's a is there's a balance there. So I'm gonna say the trumpet is is cap. Okay. Nah, I think basketball's cap. You try it out, you play for like a week, but then you never play. Yeah, I think you did trumpet. You still older, play. The trumpet's actually cap. I actually played the drums. Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> I knew you played an instrument, but I didn't know. All right, respect. I played the drums, but yeah, I played basketball one year, seventh grade. Like. <laughs> I couldn't play ball for shit. Like I couldn't play basketball at all. But here's the thing: like I could play defense, right? So I remember one time I got fouled, and like my coach was like, "Yo, go to the line." I was like, "I'm sick." He's like, "What you mean you're sick?" I was like, I'm gonna hurt. I was like, yeah. "My coach is this old, like this old head black, this old black dude." He called me and was like, "Hey, Nick, get on the line. What you doing? Get on the line." <laughs> I'm like nervous as hell. I shoot two air balls and go, like, "You are sick." <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Oh, that's a great story. Yeah. So oh, that's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I, I listen to the show, so I know I know your stories okay. about playing basketball, coming over here, and like having to kind of adapt to the sports in America. Right. So like, first, you know, kind of... first week I came here, man. Like they were talking about Allen Iverson. I was like, Yo, Allen Iverson. What you mean, Allen Iverson? I'm talking about David Beckham. Like, what is this? like, like, man, this year just something from a natty. He's talking to me about Allen Iverson. Like, I don't know who the hell that is. And like, this is when I first became a Ravens fan, and like, I was like watching Ray Lewis, and I was like, I still look. Man, the first couple years I was watching NFL, I was like, I don't know what this sport is. But, like now, it's like I know, like off, the, like you know, like the back of my head. But like the first couple years I was here, I just when NBA Live 2003 first came out. Like, that's when I really got into basketball. Like that oh three uh-huh. NBA Live. I was like, okay, now I'm into basketball. Like this is my thing. So. Yeah, America, America confused me, man. The first couple of years I was here, I was like, well, I don't know what, I don't know, I don't know what anybody's here doing. So, <laughs> so how do you feel about that statement? Where it's like, uh, if America's best athletes played soccer. That's the stupidest thing in the world. <laughs> stupid as hell, man. Listen, I keep telling people all the time, look, man, you go to Nigeria, I'll find you some like five foot five dudes who will literally dribble you out your shoes. Like I yeah. wouldn't here right now. Go to straight like in the middle of Lagos and find you five dudes. Well, like five five, like they don't mean to be athletic. You just have to know how to manipulate the ball. Yeah, that's all it is. Like you could be the most biggest, powerful person. Like even like we see big people all the time. Like it's very rare for somebody that big to like be that good on the ball. Like Pogba and his last time, like so rare. Because then you like everyone else is mad clumsy. So yeah, I think it's stupid. Like it's so stupid, especially especially playing here and like knowing yeah. that, like the best players I've ever seen in my life are all tiny people. So it's just like no, it's not true at all. Like Messi, look how tiny Messi is. Messi's like five seven at best, and he's like the best ever. Maradona was like five five, five four at best. So, it's, uh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, I I don't even like try to get in those discussions because it's like, <laughs> I can't. I, it's, it's just it's, I'm not. It's not. It's not. It's not ready. They're not ready for that conversation. You're you're, you're a pro, but you've seen it. So like, yeah. it's like you, you are at the highest level. You play the left. You know what it is. It's like the the field is too big for someone to say like, oh yeah, if he was six five and ran a like, or I could just play a high line and now he's offside. So <laughs> exactly, <laughs> it's like spoken like a true defender. Yeah, uh, yeah it's like you get like a five foot eight Irishman, and now you're just like hurt for ninety five percent. Like you know, you're gonna play against someone like James McCarthy or John McGinn, and now you're yeah. hurt. 
This is like exactly. you got someone like James Milner chasing you for 90 minutes. It's not that fun to be that bad. Like it's, huh. it's a different thing. So that's cool. That's cool. All right, L, let's get into the topics. All right, for sure. So we we touched on uh diversity in soccer a lot um mm-hmm. a little bit earlier. So you mentioned getting a job with CBS. Um in I'm gonna submit you immediately brought a level of sauce to that account that wasn't previously there. So yeah. salute to you for that. Um, oh, yeah, my respect, man. That's love for real. And we also, you know, spoke about the lack of diverse voices on the media side for the game. Um, so what do you think? Let's let's get into the solution space a little bit. What do you think maybe some solutions of how we can get heard a little bit more on the mainstream level? Or like what, what things do you think we can do to kind of, I guess, insert our voice even more um, on a high level? I honestly think it's not even anything that we can do. Like, I feel like we're doing our best. It's like, are they listening to us? That's the thing. It's like, we can knock down the door. It's like, are you listening to us? Because we are here. Like, you know, there's multiple Black people in this country who are creating their own soccer spaces and soccer podcasts. Like, you guys, for example, and, like, there's, you know, Bantz FC. There's so many other people who are doing stuff in this country. It's like, are you guys listening? Are you guys paying attention? Like, shout out to Black Arrow, because Black Arrow's been doing a lot of crazy stuff. Like, again, like, Life goes full circle. Like one of the guys that Black Arrow hired, uh, Ime Umo. Ime was like my my freshman year of high school. Ime was like my shadow. He's a you know he was he was he was in, he was a senior year of high school when I was there. And Ime like kind of took me around. He's one of the very first Black people that I ever saw like soccer in this country. I was like, oh, that's crazy. So it's like there are people out here doing stuff like Black Arrow, but like there's also like not that many of us. Like it's like they kind of have like just a limited amount of us. And like, that's it. Like I remember went to an MLS event in um, February before the pandemic hit. It's like the 25th anniversary kickoff. And I remember I was speaking to, um, I'm pretty, you probably know him, like Jamal, like, you know, Jamal, like um, Mr. Northcutt, I think. I think that's- Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so when I met him, you could see in his face, he was shocked to see me, but so happy because it was like, oh, there's more than like, there's, there's, there's us here. Like, you know, <laughs> it's like, people don't know that there, there's people like us out here, you know? So it was like, how do we on the map, number one, number two? How do people know, like, this is what we're doing? I think another thing is, too, is, like, when they see stuff like, you know, like the jokes and stuff that we make on Twitter, it's like, this isn't, this is this is part of the community. Like, you guys understand, like, we when we talk about players and things like that, we make jokes about them. This is jokes. There's a lot of respect because, like, I know what it is to be a professional football player. You know, so it's just, like, you guys have to understand the culture aspect of it. Like, when we watch players, we always make jokes all the time. Even when we're not watching, it's like, we make jokes about players, but we know how hard it is to play. So it's like... How do they take a serious season number one, number two? It's like you have to understand there's more than one of us. Like, shout out to Aaron West, too. Like, Aaron is like one of like the main people who I just see like so always working. Like, so big shout out to Aaron, um, Black Arrows. It's just like there's some of us that's coming up, and also um Meldy Cole. Big shout out to Meldy Cole. Mel Mel's been that's working. the photographer, right? That's yeah, the one. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Mel Mel's been doing his own thing for a long time now. Like he's doing stuff with the Premier League now. So it's just like shout out to Mel. So it's just like the more of us are in it, the more of us are you gonna you're gonna see more of us like you know bringing out great content. It's like take a chance, like don't be scared, like don't be concerned. Like I feel like a lot of people try to like be cookie cutter and like try to like you know get people who are just doing like in the square box. Like no, sometimes you gotta just call outside the lines and realize like some of us are talented as hell. We are reckless, but it's like you just gotta understand like this is just who we are. Like you will have more fun, like and you have more great results when you have because. Even the players, even the players respect that like you see more black players like who are in the sport. You see, you know, they see someone who looks like them. They're like, oh, I'm more open to speak to them, you know, because, you know, it's, it's an unspoken rule. Like whenever you're like in a, whenever you're like in black media, they look like I met Busio and Busio was looking at me like, oh, damn, that's another black media person. Here. Like, oh, damn, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So like, 
these players like these players get is like an unspoken rules. It's just like take a chance. Like that's really it. Just take a chance on people. No, I respect that. And like listen, but don't just try to listen and like take little sound bites and like spin it. Nah, take who is speaking and have them part of your platform. Don't just like, oh, let, I like what he's saying. Let's try to remix it and nah, take a chance, like you said. Yeah, for sure. Like, and we know black American culture kind of dictates what's cool like you mentioned before it dictates what's cool in this country also around the world too like everybody's looking at us so um this in the way that we kind of you know use our own we we mix our own personal culture our own black hip-hop culture whatever you want to call it with our love for soccer mm-hmm. and then blend those two things together it's, it's, it's a unique you know feeling it's a, it's a unique um take um and if you know these these companies always want to get cooler you know what i'm saying so like tap in yeah. you know you already got the plug at CBS. Yeah. I'm waiting for y'all to get that show. You know what I'm saying? So like tap, they need to tap in with us. Stop playing that's around. The, that's the biggest thing is like I'm seeing it now is like, you know, when CBS took over and like we've literally like just based on who we've hired, like, you know, they've done a they've done a really good job that this is probably yeah. the most diverse like group of people I've ever like worked with in my life. Like I'm I'm very genuinely impressed. Like I'm so impressed every single time. Like my team is, you know, two Niger- me and this other Nigerian kid. Like two on the two Indian people and like our producer in our show in London is a black woman. And like we have Micah Richards on we have Micah Richards on the air. We have, you know, Alex Scott. It's just like I'm seeing every single day, like we're generally trying to like make this a thing. So it's just like people are slowly seeing it, but it's just like more people need to take chances. Like and I think it's just a media thing in general. It's like people there's not a specific soccer channel in this country that's showing twenty four seven like soccer stuff, like like old games and things like that. But that's also down to rights, because like that's another thing people don't understand. Like in this country, it's like there's a lot of rights issues. Like you fucking lying, boy. You have a lawyer show up your door in the morning. So, you know, you got to be careful about that. But yeah, it's just taking chances, man. It's like really just taking more and more chances. Like ESPN, like, should have been doing some soccer stuff. Like that's something like I'm shocked that ESPN, like, don't do. Like ESPN FC's not even on TV, but you got to get ESPN Plus. So it's like you got to like, figure out, like, what's your strategy? Like, do you really care about the sport enough to, like, bring more people of you know more black people win it so yeah so i also want to shout out the homies over at for the culture podcast you know atlanta united also touch on the premier league as well as mls um and then river city 93 the homie yogi um you know doing usl level and lower league soccer home sweet soccer as well um homie jason weintraub so it's it's a lot of us in there kind of you know making making our way so as long as we kind of continue to infiltrate on every level I feel like we can really build something and also sticking together. You know what I'm saying? Everybody clicking up, supporting yeah. each other. Like I always, I always retweet y'all. I make sure I retweet y'all um, episodes when they come out, everybody else as well. So just making sure we get as much exposure as possible. I think that's the most important thing. Yeah. It's like most, a lot of people don't even know that people are doing this. It's just like, yeah. was, I remember people went to college and messaged me. It's like, yo, you do a soccer show? I was like, yeah. And they started watching and they were like, yo, I didn't even know you knew. Like, I was like, yeah, it's like, this is what we do. So yeah, that's, that's yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. So let's jump into something fun. So it's the end of the year, right? It's the last show of the year. Um, this is something new for us. This is, this is basically the end of our first year mm-hmm. um, at, at Two Cents FC. So I want to do a 2020 end of the year award nomination show. Okay. Right. So we're going to do, we're going to nominate, we're going to run down a, a list of um, categories. That could be some could be like superlative, some could be like more traditional like award show categories mm-hmm. um and then we're gonna have the people vote on who the winner should be for 
these various categories, right? So all these categories are unisex. Um, so male or female, whoever you think is the best fit, I want to get you guys nomination. So let's kick it off. First one is uh, class clown. Vegas soccer class clown, like the whole entire sport. Yeah, yeah whole entire sport. It's got to be players or like just anyone. Uh, it could be anyone. Oh, oh, okay. Ooh. Open it up. Yeah, you might be the nominee right there. <laughs> Eric Bai. Hundred percent, Eric Bai. Like Eric Bai is the biggest class clown that I know. Just because, like, every way he plays, it's like I'm watching him yesterday. It's like this 80th minute. We're looking for a goal. He back heels the puck. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, why do, why do you do it? So mine has to be Eric Bai for sure. Yeah, I'm going with uh, Patrice Evra. Yeah, Patrice Evra is class clown. That man's like snitching on people, <laughs> telling jokes. Yeah, uh, it, <laughs> like telling stories he shouldn't like. It's like, yo, you know, by the way, Henri saw what's it called in the starting lineup and he like stopped watching the game. Like, yo, you don't say things like that. Like, you're not supposed to say that. Yeah. Or that was a personal conversation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm going with Patrice Ebro on that one. Yeah. It's something you keep All right. All right. Next up, best hair. Ooh. Um. There's been this weird like phase of people getting like these fake dreadlocks, so uh, I'm gonna have to call one of those people out. I don't know. <laughs> Namor. <laughs> you said best hair or worst hair? Yeah, worst. Oh uh, yeah, you're right. Oh, best we do hair. both: best hair and worst hair. Okay. So best hair. Best hair first. But... Um, probably say Genie one out of them, just cause like he's probably the only one like an actual good barber. So shout out to Genie. I think every like you thinking about everybody else in in the sport, like all the black guys are just like. Genie might be the most consistent with like a good barber. So, I mean, over Lacazette. I mean, Lacazette's bald now, so oh, like, true, he's, true. Yeah, fully, he's fully committed. He's fully <laughs> committed to being bald. Fully committed, bald man. Yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah, it's probably Genie. Yeah, yeah. You see, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> shout. Yeah, yeah his line is always sharp. Yeah. All right, who's a close second? There, we got to have at least two, two close people to vote on. Genie. Um. I'd say Pogba just to like piss people off. They always worried about his hair. Yeah, maybe Pogba. Uh, I'm trying to think, man. Like the guys in England to come to like New York or something, get find a ni- nice barber, man. Like HD cuts cut everybody in England, don't he? Yeah, he does. He basically cuts everybody. So, so you're saying HD cuts fucking everybody up? <laughs> nah, I can say that. He's gonna come to me and like, yo, like you, you know, he's gonna beat me up. But nah, I'm trying to think, like. Uh, Benzema? I'm going to Sergio Ramos. Oh, yeah. yeah, let's say Sergio. Because Sergio looks like a, uh, he looks like he's in Peaky Blinders now. Like, that is hot in there. Yeah, Sergio. All right, Sergio Ramos. All right. That's goal. So, oh, let's do worst hair. Worst hair. Ah, oh, man. Antoine Griezmann. <laughs> um, the break. <laughs> The braids, the Antoine Griezmann braids, man. I can't believe that. Like he looked awful with that. Yeah, he that that was a force. Yeah, Griezmann and Neymar. Neymar needs to like just simmer down a notch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Right knees down. And Neymar. All right, best goal celebration. Knee slides. Whoever does knee slides, I don't like. I don't like knee slides are the best. Like if you do a proper knee slide, it's just. Just, it, I think Nisla is the best celebration. So, uh, so let me just pick somebody who does Nisla. I'll do Mbappe. Yeah, I'll, 
Yeah. Rashford. I like Sergio Ramos. Like his, his he's a troll. Yeah, he's he's a troll. He's a he's he's a funny guy. What does he do? I think does. Sergio Ramos. He does everything. Like yeah. he piss you off and like just he literally whatever he whatever he feels is gonna get. Yeah. Actually, I take that back. Jamie Vardy. Jamie Vardy celebrations are so good because Jamie Vardy, like especially with fans with it, Jamie Vardy would like score and know he would piss you off and like he'd just do whatever, like get on <laughs> your skin. So I'll take that back. Jamie Vardy for sure. Now I think about it, like yeah. Jamie Vardy for sure. Like, Fair he, yeah, he gets on people's skin. Yeah, Ramos, he'll like do like the Conor McGregor, he'll do the Cristiano, he'll do a knee slide. He mixes it up. So, yeah, I like his. Uh, and he scores a lot of goals. It's like, damn. He takes penalties and free kicks. <laughs> it's like, yeah, Real Madrid. Imagine how many more goals Benzema would have had if he at least like took like 25% of the penalties. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Cristiano leaves and Ramos starts taking them. It's like, damn. All right. Next up, best dress. I got my answer off the top of my head. It's not even close. Um, I don't know why her name is not coming up. Casey Stoney. Main as woman's coach. Casey Stoney's the best dressed woman. I'm not even woman. The, the best dressed, like, in general. She uh-huh. is not even, like, I, honestly, like, I tweeted this the other day. Um, I actually have a list. Let me actually find my list. Like, I literally have a list. And, like, and while you're looking at the list, talk about your, uh, um, this, the menswear hours, things that, that, that you got popular. Oh, so menswear, it's like I told you, I was heavy into fashion. I wasn't be a stylist. That was, like, my, that was the one of my first jobs. I thought I was going to become a menswear stylist. Um, so fashion always stuck with me. I used to work at J. Crew and I used to work at Burberry, like I said, and then like it's always been a part of me and like just growing out my style every single time. So there was a time where like I was into that pity almost stage when I was on Tumblr, like where I used to like want to wear suits every day. Like, it was, listen, I'm, glad, I'm glad y'all didn't know me then, but like, I was okay. my life like I was like before Jadena came out, so okay, I, like it was before Classic Man, like way before that. So I wanted to go to Italy and like go to like these middle like you know middle of Rome and just take pictures in my suit. So it became a funny thing where like I would just make fun of like the people back then. Like just, they became too serious. So I would always like hashtag like menswear. So like it would be like someone has a horrible like outfit. I'm like oh it's menswear. So it's a good outfit. Like it's real yeah. menswear. You know just kind of like differentiate the two, and it just became a thing that stuck. And like when we started doing the collections of clothes, like we were just like yo like let's just make merch and because somebody messaged like let's do this and like i was like okay so my boy's a designer like and he like kind of like we give him ideas and then he just runs wild with it so okay. yeah Respect. so yes yeah, just trying to trying to do fashion has always been a thing of mine like i, I like literally i remember when i moved to new york I was like, i'm gonna go fashion style that's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna work for vogue i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that and i got to new york and realized like it's not sweet like it's <laughs> it is not it is not what you're it's not like that it's like um it's like 500 days of summer like expectations versus reality it's like oh it's literally not like that at all but best dress i'm gonna i literally have a list like uh hector bellerin tim weyer memphis kazuki honda david alaba casey stoney i'm gonna forget one more person and kellen acosta i have to shout out to kellen kellen's actually really well dressed so those are like my choices right there. If you want, you want to repeat it, or you got it. Oh, you can just text that to me, bro. Like yeah. DM it to me or something. I'll DM it to you. Yeah, I, I liked how you brought in uh, Kellen Acosta because I feel like if you want to find ways to, obviously NBA NFL does it with like league fits and stuff like that. And shout out to mm-hmm. you know someone that we all know, Aboon, for what he's doing with Live Reads Football. But you definitely got to incorporate you know fashion 
you know, U.S. domestic culture. So, like, you know, shouting out Kellen. I know a lot of MLS USL guys are sneakerheads. Um, got definitely got to bring that, especially with Jersey culture as well. Um, best dress, as, as bad as I don't want to say, it, I got to go with Pep. I think his yeah. style, you know, as a coach is pretty, it's pretty well, it's pretty yeah. well. Now, I was watching United Women's play because of Kristen Press and everything, and I saw when I was looking at uh, Casey Stone, I was like, yo, this woman is getting fit tall. So when I went to Getty Images, I was looking at it, I was like, oh, my God, like, she's been getting fit. Like, <laughs> she's been at fit. <laughs> I was like, yo, this is, this is ridiculous. I'm like, this is like, the coaches were like, yo, this is, she was wearing the red coat with, like, black leather gloves. I was like, oh, damn, like, she's getting the fit tall. So, like, Casey Stone. Truth be told. On the women's side, they're some of the some of the best dressed individuals in the game. Yeah, like, yeah, in all those sports. Fact, yeah. sure. I'm like they're shoe plugs because some of those shoes, like they 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 be they be getting dressed. My, I think the best oh. dress player of all time, by the way, is Nakata. Like I feel like Nakata is yeah. like because like here's the thing, like Nakata like was good enough to like win Ballon d'Or, like he was that good. Yeah. He only plays soccer like to fund his fashion career. So once he was like <laughs> good enough, he like retired after the Olympics World Cup. Where did, where did Nakata go? Now he owns like a fashion company in Japan. Like just literally, just all he does is just like wear his room all day. That's all he does. Definitely got to add Ashlyn Harris up there too. Yeah, she's she begin fits off. I'm about to break that one up. I didn't want to break it out into, into genders, but since it's getting long, yeah, I'll break that one out. So he for real has his own fashion line. Or, he has, he's like doing his own fashion thing, like literally <laughs> in Japan. Like you just Google uh, Nakata, like Nakata fashion. Like he literally like used soccer as, like, as, as his way to like get to know the world. Like, <laughs> got a few few trips around there, a few woke up, and then he just, uh, like, yeah, so. uh, that's the life right there. Yeah. All right, next up, most clutch. Let's say oh. most clutch player. Lewandowski. Yeah, this year got to be Lewandowski. Like, I remember buying Munich against Leverkusen, and I was talking to one of my friends, and was just like, yo, you guys are down 1-0 right now. It's going to be 1-1 one, one and then the half. Lewa scored. And I messaged, and I was just like, yeah, what, 90 minutes? Lewa was going to score. Then Lewa scored. So he's just like, Bayern's not that good. Well, they are good, but, like, Lewa's just, like, the great equalizer. Like, he's always there. So he's, like, the most clutch. He's just so ruthless. It's crazy. Like, like you could have – he doesn't even need a full chance. It's a half chance, and it's a goal. Yeah, Lawa and uh, Ramos. Lawa yeah. and Ramos, yeah. Because Ramos is just, Ramos is like between Ramos and Benzema, like every time Madrid is failing, it's like either one of those two do, one, one of those two like score a goal, or, like come up with something. So it's like Lawa, Ramos, and um, Benzema. So. All right. Next up, most unserious team. Arsenal. <laughs> Arsenal. Yeah. I know you're gonna hate that, but yeah. Arsenal. <laughs> I didn't even have to think about that twice. I can't, I can't even lie, man. Like, uh, it's like too big of a story team to like be doing what y'all doing on a consistent year to year basis. Like Arsenal always has something silly every single year. It's just like if it's not one thing, it's another. It's like I don't know why <laughs> how Arsenal behave this way. Like. Y'all fans are like y'all way too loyal, man. Like y'all are entirely way too loyal to fans. Like they they need to give y'all like a gold medal or something for just sticking by it. Uh-oh. I mean, once I once I pick a team, I can't switch. Like that's, that's so that goes for that goes for any sport. So it's like I just I got I got to suffer. All right, who who will be another unserious team? Because we got to Arsenal got to compete with somebody. Hmm. 
Um, DC United. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yo, that's facts. That's, that's, that's pretty good. Oh, that's pretty good. Um, another unserious team. Uh, I would say Bar. I'm putting Barca up there. Yeah, they. I don't know what it's going to be bad when Messi retires. They have. They're in for a rude awakening. Mm-hmm. Messi covers a lot of problems. puts a, puts a bandaid on a lot of things. When he like is finished with that team, it's gonna be. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. It's gonna be scary hours. Yep. Okay. Word on the street is coming to Miami. So, but that's a. That's, that's another that's another discussion. Yeah. All right. Most unserious player. Ooh. 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 This is gonna be difficult. There's so many of them. <laughs> There's so many of them. And like they're probably gonna send a season the agent's gonna send season desist letters to my to my address. Well shit, just oh. give me top three. Top three. All right. Oh. Um, go ahead, go ahead, Tosa. Man, like I'm literally trying to rack my brain right now. I got one. You go ahead. You go ahead. I got a Gareth Bale. This man's having a laugh. Yeah, Gareth Bale's definitely <laughs> up there for sure. Um, dang, like that, I can't even think. Like, I'm literally just like, trying to wreck my brain. Like, um, Coutinho for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Where is he at now? Is he back at Barca? Yeah, he has oh, yeah. you know. Coutinho oh. for sure. You know what? I'm going to give you guys a name that, like, you guys are probably going to be like, yo, where the hell did that name come from? Royce and Drenth. He still Ooh. plays? Royce and Drenth. Remember Royce and Drenth? He went. He got the transfer to Real Madrid back in the yep. day. And it was Royce like, and... why? I always said, like, this generation of Dutch football players stopped caring about football and all wanted to become, like, rappers. Like, every single yeah. one of them was rap. Like, I don't know what's yeah. working with them. Okay, you can add Memphis Depay to that list then. Nah, Memphis is cool. Nah, he be balling. He be balling. Uh, I'm going to add Mendy, uh, Man City left back. He's – I don't know what he's doing sometimes. Yes. Mendy, Mendy is like – I love Mendy, but Mendy just uh, – Mendy is all jokes. Yeah, Mendy's just like – Mendy doesn't care, man. Like, yeah. Mendy, Ryan Babble. I'm going to put Ryan Babble up there. Okay. Yeah. Because Ryan Babble could have been so good, but Ryan Babble just like – I don't know like what happened to him. So I got – I have who do I have right now? I have Royce and Drenth and Ryan Babble. Yeah. Um, I need the last one. Um trying to think. Danny Drinkwater. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. He's out here fighting little kids and stuff. Yeah. Danny Drinkwater has to be up there. I'm sure I probably missed a lot of players, but like Royce and Drenth. Ryan Babel and Danny Drinkwater are my top three right now that I can think of. I'm sure, like, when I get up there, I'm like, hey, oh, I have to say this person. Chelsea Keeper. I didn't want to say Kepa? that. Yeah, Kepa. Yeah, yeah he got to be up there. Kepa's not even serious. Kepa's just not, like, good at his job. It's <laughs> not his fault. <laughs> He's just not good at it. He might be a candidate for the next one. The next one is most likely to rob your team financially. Ooh. Phil Jones. You said Phil Jones? Yeah, Phil Jones. <laughs> Phil Jones has been in United for like 15 years now. And like he has played maybe in like 15 games like the past 58. What was the quote he said? He said, I don't think I would have a fair farewell match because only his parents would show up. Yeah, something. he just said like, yeah. Oh, that's bad. Uh, most uh, Oscar or Hulk, or Hulk. Oh. Um, who else? Who's the other guy? But he actually kind of balled out. Joe Linton. 
is another one. Ooh, yeah. There's a lot of bad buys, man. Joe Linton's up there. I'm trying uh, to think of someone that's came to MLS recently that just, like, stole money. I know someone. He's a Dutch dude again. He wore number nine for Toronto, and I can't think of his name. Gregory Vanderville. Oh, yeah. We're, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Any defender that's wearing number nine, I know, is is getting ready to rob your bank. Either he's on violence or he's about to commit violence. <laughs> <laughs> Either on the way to violence or just violence. You yeah. know number nine? It was like Caleb Belarus. Actually, I take back my unserious one. I'll take back Daddy Drink one and I'll give you a perfect one. William Gallas. William Gallas wore vapors as a defender. <laughs> and then, in order for him to move to Chelsea, he said, If you play me, I know you won't. Um, because, because he goes, I know you would have not played me. I'm going to score own goals. That's what he said. <laughs> and you know what? I'm going to take back another one. I'm taking back Royce and Dreth. I'm going to give you, um, what's his name? I just had his name in my face, Jermaine Pennant. That is the pinnacle of unseriousness right there is Jermaine Pennant. He's number one. Like That's pretty good. That's Jermaine, Jermaine Pennant is the first soccer player I've ever seen in my life play with an ankle tag on his on his ankle. How do you spell his last name? P-E-N-N-A-N-A-T. So yeah. T-N-A-N-T. Yeah. So here's the thing. Like He got arrested for being drunk. He got pulled over for being drunk. And they asked him, who is he? He said, I'm Ashley Cole. <laughs> Yeah, said he's Ashley Cole. That's a story. I don't know if I have enough time to tell you guys. But like, he scored a hat trick against Southampton, right? Uh huh. I winded down. He got drunk the night before, so he didn't think he was gonna play. Wenger's like, "Yo, you're playing." He's like, he came back to the hotel like six in the morning, and he's still uh-huh. drunk. And like, Wenger's just like, "You're playing." He's like, "What?" So Vieira's like, come on, you ready? He's like, I'm drunk. Like, what do you mean am I ready? Like, I'm drunk right now. So he goes on the pitch, right? And like scores a hat trick. And like after the game, he just throws up. He's like, I it's like after that, like I that, that was the peak and pinnacle of my Arsenal career. But Jermaine Pennant is <laughs> number one most unserious football player I've ever seen in my life. That's, oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna add one to the to the rob your team financially list. I'm gonna say Mesut Ozil. Oh no 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 no! I can't disrespect Ozo. That's nah, just a that. that Ozo is not his fault, man. That that's 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 political stuff, man. That's not that's not Ozo's fault, man. It's political, but he's robbing us. <laughs> Free the guy, man. He, didn't do he just stood up for what he feels right. Hey, I'm, I'm I'm on the free Ozo train too, but uh, shit. Oh, if we're doing that, Tevez then. <laughs> Tevez would rather play golf than play for Man City. Actually, you know who's the biggest rob your team? Emmanuel Adebayo. The true <laughs> rob everybody. Like, he was getting paid <clears throat> by, like, Tottenham and, like, somebody at the same time. Like, he was getting paid by two yeah, clubs at the same time. at the same time. Yeah. And Adebayo literally says, like, when I left Africa, when I left Togo, I didn't come here to be loyal to anybody. I became here to be loyal to my bank account. That's what he said. <laughs> you got to respect it. You got to respect that. They don't yeah. care about you when you don't play. Yeah, yeah, I take care of yourself. Any any Nigerian man that poses a Francophone man is just up to no good. <laughs> That's why I know Adebayo is up to no good all the time. He's a European man claiming that he's from Togo. I'm like, bro. That's why I was like so confused. I was confused for the longest time. I was like, oh yo, your God. name is Shay. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. It's so European, it's not even funny. Like, oh my goodness. All right. Oh, I want, but I also want to keep this in the context of 2020 too. Oh, so, okay. Sorry. We mentioned there's some players who are like yeah. may not be of this era. Yeah. 
Pause uh, or, past, or past their prime. But yeah. all right, uh, cool. All right, so best overall team performance wise this year, Liverpool or Bayern. I mean, I probably go with Bayern because they want to treble, but I mean, Liverpool is just consistent. So either Liverpool or Bayern, pick one or the other. Yeah, I'm going Byron, and then my sleeper. I, I like Leeds. Yeah, for the what they've done, bringing the team back, sticking to their style, being stubborn in their style of play. Byron, Leeds is chaotic, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right, best overall player this year. Ooh. So far this year, I know the season's not over. Lewandowski. Are these current coming? This like current season we're playing right now. Yeah, 2020 calendar year. Oh, Lewandowski. Yes. Yeah, it's got to be lower. This man's just so lethal. Yeah. All right, who's uh, a, a close second? Mm, it's going to be a hot take, but Neymar. Yeah, Neymar, like, the way that even though Tuchel wasn't good, he was playing very well under him. This man's so silky. Yeah. Okay. All right, last one. Real one of the year. What's his name? Mbaba. Mm. That's a good one. Mbaba. Mbaba like was in everybody's face. Like Mbaba and then Pierre Webber, both of them at the same time. So yeah. Actually, I will give you a third. Marcus Rashford, just because of everything that Marcus Rashford has I'm done. For that one. <laughs> yeah. Marcus is man. He's twenty three. Like he's just doing stuff for, like. People his age don't do, man. He's shout out to Marcus Rashford, man. I'm for Marcus Rashford number one just because he's taking on the government at, by himself and then scoring goals. So shout out to Marcus Rashford. Yeah. Um, who do I want to go with? Real one. I would say Alfonso Davies, only because a lot of people. There's been rumors that like Byron's like, yo, you need to get off the TikTok and all that shit. And he just was like, nah, I'm going to keep doing what I'm going to do. And uh, so shout out to him. Um, who else? Uh, Benzema. I think Benzema. He just, you know, he don't care what people say. And, uh, and Ben's just like scores goals and then comes on IG and then like drops a nice yes, video. <laughs> drone video for us every two weeks. Yeah. Um, Shout out to his cameraman. Uh, and his editor too. Yeah. For sure. And then, um, yeah, that's it. Those, and then obviously Rashford for what he's been doing. Um, what you and Scams also said. Um, also, one more. Uh, Kim Pembe, because Kim Pembe was the one who told all the PSG players get off the field, and he stopped the and he stopped the uh, <laughs> torn hamstring. Yeah, he still he still he still a counterattack by himself. So shout out to that Haitian man right there, that Haitian Congolese man. That's a ridiculous combination combination for a human being, by the way. <laughs> a top player could be half Haitian, half like Colomb- half uh, Congolese. Oh, Congolese. Yeah, that's like super, that's like final level francophone right there. Yeah. So. Oh, for sure. All right, but all right. So that's that's our our list of year in award nominees. Like I mentioned before, we're gonna have the timeline, vote on the winners, um, and then we'll come back on a subsequent show and you know give our winners out. Uh, but let's jump into another 
um, fun part of the show. No card, yellow card, red card. Um, this is a rapid fire segment of the show where um, I'll grab some headlines and you'll use the soccer card system to give your opinion on said headlines. So obviously no card is I agree or I'm cool with it. Yellow card is I can go either way. Red card is I disagree or I'm not cool with it. Right. So jumping right in. No card, yellow card, red card. MLS invokes a force majeure clause to kill the current CBA months after restructuring it due to COVID. Uh, that is a red card and a 10-game suspension. Because <laughs> that is foul. I don't know what. But... Yeah, it's, it's like, we're not even going to let Christmas simmer, you know. Yeah, we're going to make this announcement before the before the new year. Uh, in, yeah, in a pan, in a Panasonic too. In a, <laughs> of a Panasonic, and like they over here like, doing nonsense. Like that's a that's a red card and like almost like you, <laughs> like you can't be spitting on people, man. That's nasty. So yeah, big red yeah. card. Yeah, it's a red card. I just feel bad for my 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 guys. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a it's gonna be a long winter. It's gonna be a long winter. Okay. All right, next one. No card, yellow card, red card. The Premier League has no plans to pause amid COVID-19 spike. It's a yellow card. I mean, like I would say a red, but like we know what the Premier League is. So they want to make their money. It sucks for the players. Like 89 getting the break, beat in the middle of a pandemic. But hey, man, look, that's just the Premier League. Like we've all watched it our whole lives basically at this point. So it's foul. Like it's definitely like it's definitely teeter on the red card. But they do one more thing. They don't go straight to the showers, so it's definitely up hard. Yeah, I saw Mourinho's tweet earlier. He was like, <laughs> games at 6 p.m. We don't know if we're playing yet. Best league in the world. <laughs> that, that dude's funny. Yeah. Um, I should have had him on, like, real one, um, but that's for a later discussion. Yeah, I'm going to give him a red card. It's bad enough that they're, like, one of the few leagues that doesn't take a break for uh, Boxing Day. Um, yeah, but they've been going – since February, nonstop. Uh, yeah, red card for me. Okay. All right, last one. No card, yellow card, red card. Brian Reynolds to Juventus and uh, Mike McKenzie to Mark. Is it Mark or Mike? Yeah, sorry, Mark. Yeah. Mark McKenzie to Gink. Uh, no card. Um, actually, funny. I actually called Mark going to Belgium in the middle, in the beginning of the month. I actually said that like he's the one like I feel like is gonna be next up to make a big move and I'm so happy for it. Like I think that he's a really, really good defender and I feel like he just needed that next jump. Like he's going at the right time. Um I feel like if he waited another year, like it wouldn't be the same thing. So he's going in hot. So, you know, and Genk is like they've developed some of the most talented players in the world. So indeed he was there and Tillemans was there, a whole bunch of other talented players was at Genk. So it's good for him and like with um the other guy, Brian Reynolds. Brian Reynolds, right? Yeah. Uh, so with him, it's like going to Syria. I mean, you're only going to become a much better player. So I'm always, you know me, I'm I'm an advocate for every American player going to go into a top five league, man. Like, just go and learn your trade, man. Like, especially at a young age. Like, you know, we look at DeAndre Yedlin, like, we think it's like a normal thing for him playing weekly in the, in, in the Premier League. It's like, yo, Yedlin's been out here. Like, so big shout out to those guys, man. Like, those guys out here, like, making, making moves to the national team. So it's only going to be good for America in the long run, too. So... Yeah, no card. I'm definitely glad McKenzie uh, went to Belgium instead of going to Scotland. Um, not to say anything bad about Celtic or Rangers, but in terms of development, he has a much better track going to Belgium. And then, um, you know, everyone was talking about, well, Brian Reynolds, Brian Reynolds he's barely played in Dallas. It doesn't matter. If Juventus calls, you got to go. Uh, that's simple as that. 
So yeah, you do whatever it takes. Tell your agent, like, make it happen. I don't care. Let me go to Juventus. And it's then that you gaining effect right there. Yeah, so get it done. So I'm happy for him. Um, and you know, shout out to Philly and Dallas. You know, two MLS communities that are doing it the right way. So no car. Oh, for sure. So that's it for this week's uh, no car yellow car red card. Um, that's also it for the show. Yeah, well, fellas, thank you so much for having me on, man. I feel like we've been trying to make this work for a long time, and I'm just no, glad. Sure. sure. Yeah, I'm glad. Like, I'm rooting for you guys. You guys know that. Like, you guys are family now. So, you know, thank you guys so much for having me on. Uh, perfect. Where can the people find you if they want to connect with you? Uh, my Twitter name is Nigerian Scans with three S's at the end. My Twitter is Nigerian Scans. My Instagram is Nigerian Scans with one S. Uh, Shirtless Plantain Show on Twitter. Shirtless Plantain Show. And then, actually, is it that? I completely forgot <laughs> our, our handles. Like, we'll have uh, it in the show notes. Don't worry about yeah. it. <laughs> so, gotcha. yeah. You guys can follow me on that. That's those. That's my personal account, and then um, our Twitter name is because I know like we have different names on Instagram and Twitter because you know someone decided to steal it. But uh, <laughs> our, our Twitter is the Plantain Show, and then our Instagram actually you just follow us on our website shirtlessplantainshow.com. Literally, will have everything about us right there, so you can go to our like you know our Instagram, which is Shirtless Plantain Show, Twitter the Plantain Show. So yeah, that's where you guys can find me. No, respect. And for anyone listening, make sure you check it out. Got his new merch on the way. And then uh, Ari is already actually live. And then, then they got a big year for 2021. So make sure you check it out. Um, that's our show for this week. Thank you guys for joining. What a way to end the year. Subscribe, rate, and review. It helps us get discovered. Follow us on the socials at Two Cents FC. Check out our merch. I think Elle's rocking the hat right now at Two Shop. It helps support the show as well. And tweet us your comments on the show and any topics you want me or L to discuss. Once again, the only show that give you unfiltered thoughts and opinions. Thanks again. Catch y'all later. Peace out. <laughs>